Welcome back to Bar for Bar, the number one podcast for hip-hop news, releases, and culture. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bender. Uh, there's been a lot of notable things happening in hip-hop lately, and the first one I want to get into today, guys, is, I, I think the biggest one, in my opinion, being the recent incident involving Tory Lanez allegedly having shot Megan Thee Stallion in her foot. Now, here's some backstory. So, the situation supposedly goes as follows. On the morning of July 12th, Tori and Meg got into an, in, um, an argument near some Hollywood Hills homes while in the car. Meg got frustrated. She exits the car and begins walking away from the car with her back to the car. Now, later that night, following reports of a disturbance nearby, Tori actually got arrested by L.A. police. Again, you're near the Hollywood Hills area, rich-ass people, uh, some of the most famous people on the planet Earth. Uh, he got arrested by the L.A. police for carrying a concealed firearm in a vehicle which is that of a felony uh the original report stated that meg's foot was cut from a shard of broken glass apparently outside the car and that while she was not arrested she was taken to the hospital for treatment now the initial report also did say that gunshots were fired moments following the argument which led to the neighbors calling and reporting a disturbance in the area thus leading to tory's arrest and Meg's, uh, Meg being rushed to the hospital. Now, Meg took to Instagram very, very, very shortly after all this happened, um, and made it publicly known and stated that the reports from Sunday morning's events were quote-unquote inaccurate and that she endured, quote, multiple gunshot wounds as a result of a crime that was committed against me and done with the attention to physically harm me. Now, at this point... <laughs> Anyone with at least work, one working brain cell could infer what actually happened, assuming Meg's claims were true uh, and genuine. Uh, but it wasn't until Thursday, August 20th, that Meg took to Instagram to clarify even further in the most official manner possible, saying, yes, Tori shot me. You shot me, and you got your publicists and your people going to these blogs lying. Well, if shit, if shit wasn't as clear as hell already, you can finally put two and two together. Um, I have a number of thoughts on this entire situation. No, so first off, I've seen a lot of remarks flooding Instagram, Twitter, whatever other platform you wish to insert in there, and so on and so forth, labeling Meg a snitch and that she broke whatever street code. Um, there, I have a few things to say about this. This is that's hilarious because number one, I don't find street code to be applicable to Meg by any stretch of the imagination for the sheer reason that in her music, she doesn't create any sort of narrative of herself that could land her in the category of artists or personalities, I guess that are required in the eyes of the hip hop community to abide by street code or anything of similar nature. So any sort of contradictory picture you paint of her is on you. From my standpoint, I don't think that's a fair narrative to assign to her. And it's it was never once painted by her, you know. She doesn't really talk about guns in her music. Guns in her music she doesn't talk about gang banging or any shit like that. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't add up to assign that to her. And number two, let's let's keep in mind the details of the situation that were essentially given to police without even anyone having had to say anything to the cops. So let's put myself in the shoes of an LAPD officer all right so meg was with tori from saturday night to early sunday morning tori was arrested with meg in the car 
on the charge of possessing a concealed firearm in a vehicle as a result of a disturbance reported by neighbors and upon his detainment by LA police, Meg was taken to the hospital with a gunshot wound in her foot and needed surgery to remove the bullet in her foot. <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is this. Given all those facts that were known by police as soon as they arrested Tori, you're going to try and tell me that when she was asked about the bullet in her foot by police upon shoving Tori into a car, she was supposed to play dumb? Imagine being a cop and shoving Tori's Humpty Dumpty looking ass into the backseat of a cop car on felony possession or accused felony possession of a gun at this time. Then the passenger accompanying that vertically challenged little man tells you, I don't know where this came from. Like, where does that add up? You got to think this through all the way in, in, in the sense that you need to know the context. You need to know the details. You need, you need to know what makes sense from a pure logical standpoint. Like, it doesn't make sense to say that Meg Snitch, she, again, she has no place in having to abide by street code or whatever you wish to place on her on her shoulders on, on your own doing. And in addition to that, like, what the fuck was she supposed to do? <laughs> like... What the fuck was she supposed to do? And now up until this incident, this is the next thing I want to talk about. Uh, now up until this incident, hip-hop fans have had their eyes on Tory Lanez in all this year. What's well, been a pretty damn successful 2020 for him. I mean, if you're not aware already, he had the quarantine radio going on during the quarantine period of COVID-19 and such. Um, he, it, Because of that, he gained publicity he got increased following his lives. He was going live damn near every day, averaging many days, 300K plus viewers or 150K plus viewers. Rather, I think the one that uh, he peaked out on was with uh, was with Drake, I believe. But point aside, um, and at the beginning of the year, and a lot of people don't realize this, I actually watched, there was a Genius interview, and I would highly recommend checking it out, where... He goes into depth about, you know, being... He, he became an independent artist at the beginning of this year. Which is a huge step, in all, but also, like, a really risky one. You gotta keep in mind that when you're not... Um, when you're not signed to a label, labels aren't gonna help with features. They're not gonna help with music video production, marketing. That all falls on you. Tori said in the interview that he was actually... He was the one that would... He had all the equipment at his place for shooting the music videos... He'd pay out of pocket for basically anything needed for the production and the set. And he was the one hopping on Adobe Premiere, uh, tinkering with it, and editing his own music videos. And getting his own features. And what came about that? The new Toronto 3. His album that dropped this year. Pretty big success. Sold, I think, 80, somewhere between 70 and 90k units first week. Which... For Tori, is not by any stretch of the imagination bad numbers, and I saw a lot of people saying that's an L, but you know that's pretty damn good for first week sales on an album that you know you didn't have a whole lot of promotion to, but you had the promotion in the sense that people were paying attention to you because you're quarantined radio. Now, um, even despite, and you guys might recall the situation, even despite him getting into that incident where. Him and his goons end up jumping YouTube rapper Dax. And this is like, this is uh, mid, late last year, I believe. 
where Tori issued a challenge. This is when he was going back and forth with uh, Jordan Lucas and also um, Don Q to an extent, um, where he said, I bet you there's not a single person in this entire planet that can outwrap me. I am the greatest rapper alive. All that shit. Um, and him and Joyner obviously exchanged, not diss tracks, but challenge tracks. All for the fun and games of it. So, it seemed pretty fair to say that, you know, with Dax dropped, I think the name of it was I'm Not Joyner or Don Q, pretty bluntly. It, it seems pretty clear that, like, Tori wouldn't take it to heart. He didn't take anything Joyner said to heart. He got a little pissed off about Don Q, but he didn't send people to... Now, meanwhile, Dax, and you can find the video still online, but Dax was jumped, had the shit beaten out of him by Tori and his guys, and forced to apologize for his diss, or his track, whichever you prefer, whatever you prefer to label it. Now, a few things. One, you look at the angle of the camera, I can guarantee Tori had a gun pointed at him. Um... Two, how are you going to issue a challenge, if like informally issue a challenge saying there's not a single person out that can outwrap me? And when someone steps to the plate to accept that challenge, you were caught on a bad day and you got pissy through a little temper tantrum and tried to like what the fuck? And what universe does that add up? You know, it, it was dude's a fucking weirdo. I've known this, dude. I've always gotten this weird gut feeling about Tori. Now, that's not to say I haven't enjoyed some of his music. I have. But as a person, like, I, I can't help but feel like... I couldn't help but feel weird about it. Especially after the Dax situation. Because that's on some really weirdo psycho shit. And I don't know. I, I, I can't... Now, obviously, I'd be lying if I said I anticipated something like this happening. Where he shot one of the... Or the biggest female rapper on the planet in the foot. But just based on his character and his past, I mean, it, it comes as less to, of a surprise to me as it may other people, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Now, as far as motive goes, I, <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. I don't know what could have possibly prompted him to pull that trigger. I don't know if something else pissed him off that night. That could have been a sick motive for this. I don't know if the safety strap on his booster seat snagged the trigger on his gun. I don't fucking know. <laughs> And all jokes aside, last thing I'm going to say, and then I'll leave this alone, hopefully, once and for all. For anyone who thinks Meg could have been gratuitously exaggerating the truth, what exactly was she gained from doing so? Tell me. She literally just several weeks ago went number one on a Billboard Hot 100 with Beyonce on the Savage Remix. And I guess my question is, what as far as her sales and overall career could she, like, what could she or would she have gained from capping her ass off about getting shot? The only thing she's gotten is she's gotten support. There's a difference between support and clout. You got support from the fans in the general music community. You got, you know, you should be getting all these baskets and love and uh, well wishes and all this shit, which understandably so. But what exactly would lying about it do to kind of like, elevate you somewhere beyond where you already are this is a this is a, a girl who hasn't just like recently well she has recently taken off but she's not like on the verge of the main she has propelled herself to a number one hit and several billboard hits and 
pretty much earned her the status of arguably the most popular female hip-hop artist on the planet at the moment. That's over Nicki. That's over Cardi B. That's over Doja Cats. Uh, Doja Cat, plural. Doja Cat. That's over Saweetie. That's over Rico Nass. There's so many, especially in the age where female rap is growing so much. Point aside, I, I, I just... I, I can't see there being... A great deal of exaggeration to the point where it'll t- it'll totally flip the narrative and flip the story. I, I don't see there being an ex- a lie at all, but I, I kind of want to give the, the benefit of the doubt to Tori a bit and maybe say like, "Oh, maybe he's capping her." No, like I, I don't. I I don't know, man. It's weird because Tori has always been a polarizing figure, and. I, I, like I said, I had this discomfort about him for a while, but I just don't see Meg, just given all the circumstances, given all the details, given the chronological timeline of events here, have, having any reason to cap or having any opportunity to whatsoever. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's I'm going to close that out on that. Um, but, yeah, Tory Lanez is a fucking bitch. <laughs> this man is, like, that's such an L, dude. He really broke the win streak with it, and that's sad, but it is what it is, and he's he's going to be in some deep shit for that. I can guarantee that. All right, so the other thing I want to talk about today. Recently, um, it's this has been brought to light in hip-hop recently and has reignited a huge debate in regards to ghostwriting in hip-hop. Recently, some snippets of two reference tracks from Travis Scott's Astroworld recording, se- recording sessions excuse me, leaked online and... Both tracks, Travis's part in both tracks were, and this, and mind you, this is Sicko Mode, his biggest song of all time, Coffee Bean. Another song of Astroworld. And the recording sessions feature Georgia rapper and, of course, good music, Sine, Sahi the Prince, performing Travis's verses on Sicko Mode and Coffee Bean. And that apparently led fans to. Two years later, look up writing credits on both tracks. And if you look up the writing credits on Astroworld, Sahi has writing credits on not only those two tracks, but three others in addition. Now, I'll get into what Sahi said about himself, or said about the studio sessions, as well as the writing process in the making of Astroworld. But I kind of have to put an initial thought out there right off the bat. And that's why exactly is this such a shocking discovery to so many people? And why is it the spark? Why is it sparked a ghostwriting debate? I want to, I want to be clear. Is there not a difference between a ghostwriter and a writer? Look at Kanye West, for example, and mind you, actually Kanye has uh, a number of very famous tracks. I think no more parties in LA was one of them. Um, a, so- a few, one or two songs off Jesus. Um, Sahi has written for Kanye too. There's a difference between a writer. There's a difference between a writer and a ghostwriter. If you credit the writers, put as many as you want on the track. Nobody cares. Ghostwriter is someone who's an uncredited writer. Sickle Mode had I think 30, 40 ish writing credits on that track. Now it was a three part track. You have to include. Obviously, the samples you have to credit the you know the writers in those in those sample bits or those sampled uh, or samples in general. You have to include you know himself, but and Sahi, but 
you, know, you look at it overall, there's a lot more people that wrote for that track. Now, mind you that Saihi, this these leaks that do not really show exactly. While he did do the, obviously the demo recording, um, or like the reference track rather, this doesn't show exactly where what lyrics he wrote. It doesn't show that he wrote the entire damn song. It's saying he has produ he has writing credits, and as an artist, you don't you're not obliged to say I wrote this bar, and I wrote this. No, you don't have to. This is such a dumb debate. And also, it, it dumbfounds me that people were just realizing this now. Sahi has written for Kanye. He's written for Travis. He's written for um. I think he's done. I think he's done work with Pusha too. Pusha T. Holy shit! Like this is now. I'm not gonna act like I've known this forever. Sahi has done. Sahi is a known writer for artists of that nature. You know, and, and, and good music, of course. You know, Kanye and uh. And, uh, or excuse me, Kanye being signed to good music, Pusha being signed to good music, obviously, Travis having his own record label, but they, they're all interconnected in the sense that they've, they've all worked together, and Sahi has made these connections to be able to do this. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with this in my eyes. The, the whole ghostwriting debate is a fair argument to have, but it shouldn't stem from this. It shouldn't stem from credited writers, therefore not a ghostwriter. And I, I don't mean to repeat myself, but it's... It's dumb. It blows my mind because it just it just goes to show like how clueless people are. Like if if you're trying to tell me that like and this is the next thing I'm gonna go into actually. Sahi the Prince had um in an interview he he spoke on this a bit and he essentially cared he he compared the writing process of Astro World and the whole making of the album to that of an A list pop star. And I'm just going to read off what he said really quick. Once you put out a rap album, this is Saihi speaking. Once you put out a rap album and you're getting 50, 60, 100 grand a show and you're this household name. The only next level to go is to compete with Adele, Sam Smith, whatever gospel choir or alternative rock group is up for album of the year, Saihi said. Uh, those guys aren't in there by themselves. It's 30, 40 people. You got trumpet players, lyricists, writers. So that's the same thing for rappers. Uh, everybody's taking that formula, especially in LA or the guys that are really going for those Grammy spots. Those really critically acclaimed albums. You don't just want to be in there with you, an engineer, and a bag of weed. It's hard to outthink 10 people that's in an Adele session or any, or any of the major artists. Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use Kanye as an example because you know the narrative is Kanye is not a, an amazing rapper but he is an amazing artist and i agree for the most extent kanye again credits all his writers totally fair you know now i i i don't like the grammys i'm not worried about award shows i think the grammys are dumb but like look at it for look at it for sales look at it for you know just trying to create a complete body of work musically trying to complete something that is best to the ear and is going to have maybe not the most mainstream appeal but you know like he said you know it's hard to outthink 10 people that's in the Delta. like you can't it's very difficult to put 10 heads together and create an amazing create a great song um lyric both lyrically and instrumentally and then you expect kanye to just 
Kanye does production of, of course, he hypothetically could, but it doesn't, like, even if you, it, put yourself in his shoes, it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense to not take advantage of your resources as long as you credit the writers, and he does. I, I don't see a problem with this. I don't see the issue here. The whole debate is, you know, people are scrutinizing Travis Scott. Like, and, and I, I get it to an extent because hip hop, um, is a, is a matter of authenticity. Sure. Now, this is not the only, you know, hip hop is values authenticity very much. I shouldn't even say that. There's a lot of cap rap out there, but in the eyes of the hip hop fans, you know that these these artists that they they idolize and shit, they're like they expect genuine lyrics, I guess, oftentimes. And you look at I'm gonna use Nickelback as an example, dude. Nickelback. In case you guys don't know where the Nickelback state hate stems from, in rock in the in the world of rock and alternative, um, Nickelback is hated for two reasons. The first one is lots of people say the music sounds the same. Okay, whatever, fine. I can say that about a lot of hip-hop artists. But the biggest reason is that Nickelback did research from a psychological standpoint as to what makes a song possess the most replay value, what's going to create the most mainstream appeal for it, and base their songwriting, their instrumentation, all that shit off you know, what's going to land them a billboard spot. So... This is hip hop is not the only like that's why the fucking Nickelback gets trash for this shit. Nickelback is it's a again it's a matter of authenticity and you can look at the same thing in rap. You can say the same thing in rap, um, and for some reason people, you know, yes, there are rappers that cap their ass off. Um, to me personally, I look for good music. I do. Now, that's weird to say because I am invested in the culture of hip-hop as well. Um, and, and the culture of music in general. But at the same time, good music is good music. I'm gonna listen, I'm still gonna listen to How You Remind Me by Nickelback and sing my heart out to it. Cause I think it's a good song. <laughs> like, you know, it, it it doesn't make again, it doesn't make sense to me that these are that we place such high value on doing everything yourself when you don't have to nor is anybody asking you to and if you are asking them to then what the fuck you don't understand how music works man look up any song for the eminem eminem who has disc ghostwriters hundreds of times in the last three albums alone has credited writers on on several tracks on kamikaze on revival on music to be murdered by, dude. Like, does that not speak enough volumes? It's Eminem, dude. He's the one who, you know, and they could also. I'm, I'm sure he might write everything, basically, but he might, but he has to credit writers for any ideas or any original um, lyrics put down there. And so that, and that's why I say Sai, he might not have the biggest role that, ever, that anyone thinks he has in like quote unquote ghostwriting the entire track or tracks. But I digress. And I think that will be it for today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in again to Bar for Bar. We'll be back next week. Hopefully next week we got some more stuff to talk about. I mean, shit, there's a lot going on right now. So I don't doubt it. And if not, 
see what's see what's going on with the releases. I know Young Boy drops this Friday. I know a few other artists drop this Friday. Maybe it's time for another review, guys. I don't know. Well, you let me know in the comment section what you guys want to see talked about next week, or if you guys want to see an album review, or if you guys want to see a Q&A, let me know. But in the meantime, I'm Jack Bender, your host of Bar for Bar. Peace out. Thank you guys for listening. The album is just perfectly executed. You have to admire the songwriting, admire the lyricism. It's hard for me to say any other album. We're here now. We're doing this. I'm your host, Jack Bender. Welcome to Bar for Bar.